turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. While you're turning, I had this thought, which I hope will bless you as it did me, as Sherry was playing one of my very, very favorite hymns uh, during the offering, It Is Well With My Soul. And I was sitting there, and it occurred to me that uh, it may not all be well with my house, when I left, the roof was leaking, and there's a hole in my son's bedroom wall where I plumber worked, and I didn't get it fixed. And it may not all be well with my car. The brakes locked up on me once, and I don't know what that means. And it may not be well with my wife's health, and it may not be well with this and that and the other. But this one thing I'm grateful for: I can sing that song. It is well. It is well with my soul. And all the rest of it, well, maybe it'll get better, maybe it won't. But the one thing that needs to be well is well. And that, for that, I'm grateful, and I know you are too. Read with me here uh, a few verses in Matthew 6. This is a very, very familiar portion of Scripture. In Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5, our Lord is teaching his disciples here, and he says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespass, which, if, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Turn now, if you will, mark this, because we're going to come back here, but turn just a minute over to Luke chapter 11. And I will freely confess to you that I am talking to you this morning on a subject that I am not accomplished in any way and wouldn't pretend to be uh, uh, an example of and that kind of thing, but... I have spent some time trying to find out what God's Word says on this subject. And it's talking about prayer. Talking about prayer. And I'm not certain, but I think I know why this matter of prayer, whether it's public or private, is really difficult for most of us. Apparently, even our Lord's own disciples found prayer not an easy thing. Look what they asked him in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass, 
that as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped or when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now listen, if these men had been with our Lord, if their pastor had been God Almighty in human flesh, if their pastor for these three years had been Jesus Christ himself, and yet they were compelled to ask this question? I suspect it's a question we'd do well to also make. A request, our Lord Jesus Christ, he took this request to heart because he did immediately instruct them in the matter of prayer. Is it therefore too obvious a point to make that if we want to learn to pray, we ought to ask our Lord to teach us to pray? And that's exactly what happened here in Matthew 6, right before this passage of Scripture I read you. That's, this, that's exactly what led our Lord to say these words. It's his disciples said, teach us to pray. He said, all right, I'll teach you. So let's see, you know, this is what led me to this message. Not because I think I know all there is about it, but I do think as a congregation of, of believers that... You know, you're probably better taught than most. You really are. I know your pastor, by example, it's, it's illustrated by Stan's prayer. It was illustrated that y'all have been taught to pray. You really have. You know, I read the prayers of saints, though, in the scriptures and hear the prayers of other men, and it causes me to come back to the same place. Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. And seeking that in... Here is some of what God's Word says about prayer. Now, I'm going to do this by asking a series of questions, and then we'll answer them. And the first question I ask is, what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, three things. And you may want to, I don't often say anything worth writing down, but you might want to write some of this down because I think it might help you. Uh, what is prayer? Well... Examples in the scriptures reveal that prayer is three things. Okay? Number one, to pray is to praise. To praise. That is expressing glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. And expressing means saying words, thinking thoughts, and heartfelt groanings. Heartfelt groanings. I noticed that, uh, that uh, as uh, Brother Stan prayed, that occasionally I could... Here's somebody. Let me tell you, when I first attended uh, 13th Street, I sat a row or two in front of Char Brother Charlie Payne, and Charlie, after a few words, kind of just went, mm. I, and I, I mean, I didn't know anything. I thought, is he sick? You know, what is that? What, I mean, and I'm sure that that's, an, you know, that if we don't understand what this is about, you know, what is it? What are, I tell you what it's not. It's not, you know, you can carry anything to an extreme. And this, when you, get, when you get so far that you're uh, waving your hands and shouting and carrying on, I'm not sure that that's what prayer is. That's not, I'm not sure that's what praise is. Uh, shouting praise would be fine. But what this is talking about in praise here, let me read you a verse out of Romans 8 which says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Sometimes if we knew what to say, it'd be easy, wouldn't it? 
But you don't know what to say. So that's the reason a lot of times in just conversation we go, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't we? Mm-hmm. Listen, when someone says something that you wish you'd said, there's nothing wrong with going amen or going, hmm. There really isn't. That's, that's the outpouring of the heart. And that's as much prayer as it is to say it with the mouth or to think it with the head. You understand? That's all part of praise. Now, that's one, one thing that prayer is. A second thing that prayer is, it's not just praise, but it's thanks. It's giving thanks. And that's expressing, again, gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's praise and it's thanks. But the third thing prayer is, is petition. Now, petition, that means just expressing your need. It's asking for things. Okay? Asking for something. When we're children, we don't have much problem with that, do we? Can I go to the movies, Mom? Can I have an ice cream cone? You know, one of the reasons maybe we're instructed to be as little children is let's ask. You know, we, the only reason we don't have is because we don't ask. Yeah. And that really leads me to the second question, which is, why is it hard to pray? Why is it hard to pray? I can tell you this. If you ask any man in this room who's ever been asked to stand and publicly pray, he will confess to you that, in a sense, it is the dread of his heart. He just sits there on pins and needles thinking, will I be asked to pray? Because it's an awesome undertaking. But why is it so hard? Let me, I can give you the answer to that. Listen to me. It's hard to petition. It's hard to ask. You know why? We're just flat too proud to ask. You know, we're just too flat proud. We just think, well, I can do it myself. Secondly, it's hard to pray because it's hard to give thanks. You know why? We're just flat an ungrateful lot. We really are. We're really not grateful. I mean, listen, how many of us, now we may have got up this morning and, uh, and, uh, and I did sit there with Hannah this morning and Mindy was, uh, had served some great breakfast and, and we gave thanks. But listen, uh, you know, I've eaten a lot of meals I never gave thanks for. Didn't thank God at all. And when I, I mean, did we get up this morning and, and, and thank God that our children had breath in their mouth? Did we? Huh? Listen, the only reason they did is because God Almighty gave it to them last night. Let them live through the night. That's right. But we don't give thanks because we're not thankful by nature. We're not. We're an ungrateful lot. Yes, we are. And the third reason it's hard to pray is not only are we too proud to ask and too ungrateful to give thanks, we're too self-centered to give praise. We're just too interested in our own glory to praise God for his glory. You see, prayer is communicating, expressing the thoughts of the mind and the feelings of the heart, and public prayer is doubly tough because, listen, we'd all be embarrassed if we ever got up and said what was really on our mind. Stan, as fine a prayer as you prayed this morning, I suspect you'd be utterly humiliated if we had some kind of a magic thing where you plugged your finger into the wall over here and we had a big screen that came up and showed everything that crossed your mind since you got up this morning. So you see, it's hard to get up and pray when in fact our mind's just full of all kind of matter, isn't it? Hmm? It's a hard thing. And by nature, we feel the need to hide these things 
for the same reason. Why did Adam and Eve go put fig leaves on? They were embarrassed by what they'd done and what they thought now. And in the garden, they and we are sinners now. We're full of sin. So we usually have to say what we what ought to be on our mind instead of what really is on our mind. And that's a tough thing. It's difficult to get the new man to communicate for fear of what the old man might say. Does that make sense to you? Anybody who's ever had to, had to, yeah, you have to speak publicly at all anyway. Aren't you afraid of what you might say that embarrass you? Listen, to get up and pray for God's people is terrifying. Because listen, the old man's not dead in there. What might he say? Oh, my. And that's why prayer is difficult, public prayer. You know, we all with one accord need to pray for the one who's been appointed to, to pray on our behalf. When, when Stan gets up to come up here and pray like that, ask God Almighty to give him something to say, to, to keep him from saying something he ought not say. Listen, the first time I was ever called on to pray publicly, the men at 13th Street meet in Henry's study before the service in the evening. And uh, I'd been back there a long time, and the man who's in charge of that, Brother Gerald Keene, asked me to read. And someone reads a passage of Scripture and pray. And the very first time I was ever asked to publicly pray back there and read the Scripture, I did finally ask. And sometime in that prayer, I remember the words as if they were burned on the back of my eyelids with a, with a, a, a hot tool. I prayed that God would save everybody. And uh, I, I don't know what made me say that. I know it's not God's will to save everybody. They would, you know. It was a, it was a, it was a silly prayer, you know. And no, not a word, not a, not a man to this day has ever said a word about that. But I haven't forgotten about it lately. And I tell you what, every time I pray publicly, before I ever start, I ask God Almighty to watch my tongue, to not let me say some of the crazy, absurd, sinful, wicked things that are in my mind and in my heart. And when somebody comes up here, pray for them. Listen, ask God to help them. It's no small thing. I mean, you understand, You when a man gets up here, it's as if you're saying, he's speaking for us to you, God. It's no small matter. All right, who will pray? That's the third question. Who will pray? Well, everyone should pray. I just read that a minute ago in Romans. Do you remember? It said all men ought to pray. Ought to pray. So we all ought to pray. But I can tell you those who will. Only those who see Christ can and will really pray. Those who know Christ, they really pray. You see, seeing Christ as he is with a glimpse of his glory and holiness we see ourselves as sinners, as wretched and undone, and realize we have nothing to be proud of. <laughs> so that's how we get over being too proud to ask, is that we see ourselves for what we really are, and then all of a sudden we say, well, I need to pray about this. I need to pray. And so we ask for what we need, both spiritually and physically. I tell you who else will pray, is that those seeing Christ as he is, as all in all, and that we are and have nothing by nature, we'll acknowledge that we all have and are, physically and especially spiritually, all that we have comes from above. And we'll thank him. We'll be grateful. I tell you, a person who, uh, uh, when uh, 
most of the time, I guess, when you get your paycheck, you go, uh, hey, thanks a lot for paying me this week. No, because you earned it, right? Now, don't misunderstand. We ought to be grateful if we've got a job or got a check coming in. But, you know, you don't just go to the boss and say, thanks a lot for letting me work, you know, for giving me my paycheck, because you earned it, didn't you? But listen, well, everything we've got, God gave us, and we didn't deserve any of it. If we ever come to see Christ as who he is and what we are, we won't have any trouble thanking him. <laughs> you see that? And then I'll tell you who else, who else will pray, okay, is that seeing Christ as God in human flesh and as the Lamb slain, and as our Savior, and as our Redeemer, as the Holy One of Israel, if we ever get a glimpse of Christ in that light, it'll evoke the same response from everybody who does. Praise Him. He is worthy. He is worthy. Men and women who see Christ, they pray. They praise Him. They give Him thanks. And they ask of Him for everything they need. Now, here's, here's something. How do we pray? That's the next question. How do we pray? His disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, let me, let me read you here a verse in Matthew 6 again. Look at verse 9. Our Lord taught his disciples and said in verse 9 of Matthew 6, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Now listen to me. You know, at every social, religious, athletic contest, I mean, I, it, it turns my stomach to see the the football players all get down in a pile before the game and kneel on one thing with their helmets off. And, and you can read their lips, aren't they? They're reciting these words, aren't they? Huh? Yeah. That's what they're doing. And it, it may, maybe it's well that that's what they do instead of saying something else, you know, that might embarrass them. Okay? Maybe it's well that's what they do. But this, when our Lord taught to us to pray, he didn't say, say these words. Does it say that there? No, what's the first three words? After this manner. Do you understand? This is a this is a uh, is a is a is a pattern. It's not uh, you know, you know, every time we pray, we don't now in the church I was raised in, Methodist Church, they said this prayer every service. Okay? And as a result it got to where, you know, I didn't know what it meant. Didn't care. I heard it so much, it was just like I pledge of allegiance. You know, if you say it every morning as a rote thing, pretty soon you forget what country you're even talking about. You know, the flag doesn't mean anything. Okay? Nothing wrong with saying it. Don't misunderstand me. But it's a whole lot better to, to, to pledge allegiance to that flag when one day the country calls and says, Hey, we're at war. You know, you've got to go. You know, that's when somebody pledges allegiance here and in every way, Right? Huh? Not leaving the country or whatever. You know, go hide so they don't come get you. Maybe that's a poor illustration, but you get the point. I'm telling you, when you pledge allegiance to God Almighty, you're praying with your heart. You don't just say these words. It's not these words. It's after this manner. And listen, this is not the Lord's Prayer. That's what it's called, isn't it? This is the disciples' prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer because you think about this. He had no need to ask forgiveness for his sins, did he? No, he didn't have any. He didn't have any sins. No. He didn't need to be uh, uh, led or delivered from temptation. No, he couldn't be tempted in that sense. Uh, does, he, uh, does, he, does the one who fed 5,000 with two loaves and five fishes need his daily bread given to him? 
Christ didn't need his daily bread. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills. If he was hungry, he said, I wouldn't ask you. You know? Who in the universe would Christ be talking to if he were praying himself here? Who, to whom would he be saying, thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory, when in fact, he is the glory, he is the power, he is the king. Who would he be talking to? This is not the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. You see, neither did our Lord teach them pray these words. No, he said, after this manner. How many of us here are concerned about our bread? Is anybody here going to go home today and have no lunch? Huh? If you are, now let, let some of the men know here. I mean, that, the, 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 the folks here would not have one of their brothers or sisters in Christ be hungry. If your family's hungry, you need to let... That's how, you know, that's how we take care as believers. We're going to take care of each other. You, Stan, you lose your job. You and Sherry, you have no work, no food. You know, you don't have to go to social services down here. You don't have to go do that. No, just... You're not even going to have to ask, I suspect, because the men are going to know. They care about you. They love you. They're going to see you're not hungry. But is there anybody here that just needs their daily bread today? No. Well, you don't have to say these words then. It's after this manner. What you need to pray about is, now the disciples, you understand the disciples? Here were a bunch of fellows, itinerant guys, following this man around who preached. They didn't know where the next meal was coming from. I suspect the disciples did wonder about their daily bread. You understand? That was something on their hearts and minds. They may not have ever said it to our Lord, but I suspect there was plenty of time they went, well, what are we going to eat tonight? You know, we don't have any money, and uh, what are we going to do? You know, remember? Yeah, when Caesar's tithe came, they were all looking at each other like, who's got the gold? Lord said, go down and you'll be a fish there. And pull him out and there'll be a coin in his mouth. The Lord took care of it, but just like us, they were with so little faith that they worried about their daily bread. You understand? Well, listen, that's, we don't pray those words because that's not where our problem is. What is our problem is that we need to pray about what is our problem, what is on our mind. You understand? After this manner, okay? I just, and let's not be too critical about, you know, the disciples saying, uh, well, man, I don't know why they were worried about eating. I mean, he took care of everything for them. <laughs> I suspect they would look at us and think we are pretty foolish, some of the things we worry about. You know, I suspect they'd think our worrying about being able to get our kid a Nintendo for Christmas was a pretty goofy thing to worry about in reality. You know what I'm saying? So let's not be too hard on these disciples. But on the other hand, our Lord, our Lord was saying, if it's on your heart, pray about it. Pray about it. Most of us don't need, our, don't need these specific words, give us our daily bread. But we need, do need to pray after this manner, whatever concerns you. And it might be, Lord, give us this day grace to be kind. It might be, Lord, give us this day love to discipline my children. It might be, Lord, give us this day a submissive attitude. It might be, give me the will to do my job well. Or, Lord, give me a job. It might be, Lord, give me wisdom to keep quiet and be still. Give me strength in old age to get up this morning and have a good attitude. It might be, 
Lord, give me a desire to love my wife, to be sweet, to be kind. Whatever it might be, it's after this manner. And ask what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Walter Groover, I'll never forget him telling about he, uh, he and Betty were living in a house and, uh, and it was uh, some fellow bought the property next door and put a chicken farm in there. Well, I mean, I mean living with some chickens is one thing, but 4,000 chickens next door now, buddy, that's a heap of smell. And the road in front of Walter's house all of a sudden wasn't some quiet dirt road. You had chicken trucks coming up and down that road, you know, 85 times a day, just hurling dust all over the house. And he came home one night, said he went and said, and he said, Lord, I don't know how to pray about chicken dung and dust, but he said, I just need some help. You know what happened? Somebody bought the chicken farm out and moved it, and they came through the next week and paved the road in front of the house. <laughs> that was on his heart and on his mind. He didn't pray, Lord, give me my daily bread. He didn't need his daily bread. What he needed was the chicken dung and the dust out of the house. You understand? And for a man, listen, how tough would it be for, and this applies in our day, because Walter was supposed to be preparing messages to preach the gospel to every tribe and kindred and nation under heaven. And he was having trouble doing that with all that mess. You understand? His wife was cleaning the house from morning to noon. They were miserable. He couldn't study for the smell. Pray about what's on your mind. There's nothing to... Is there anything to... God watches the dust. He tracks the dust through the air. You think he can't take care of whatever your problem is? Ask him. You may find out. Ask him. If it's for your good and his glory, you take care of it. But listen, don't take your daily bread or anything else for granted. Give thanks continually for his sweet provision. Anything and everything that's not a problem or not on your mind or heart today, there's only one reason. That's because Christ has taken care of it for us. And he deserves to be thanked for that. Yes, he does. There is a phrase in the Old Testament that's so frequent, when I looked it up, I didn't even bother to count any times. It said, that phrase is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord our God. Oh, give thanks. And his mercy does endure forever. If we, you know, if we need, we'll find words of our own to ask. And if we're grateful, we'll find words of thanks. The most, uh, the, the, the most, let me tell you, the, the best thanks is that which is heartfelt and spontaneous. One time, Luke and I were visiting uh, uh, Danny Parks in, uh, on, on, in Tortola, and uh, we'd been to services all the time, what have you, and one afternoon I said, come on, Luke, let's go down to the beach, and I'll take you down there scuba diving. And we went down there with a snorkel and, and swam out into this reef, and all of a sudden we swam through this opening in the reef, and there was a... Uh, there was a million black and red sea urchins everywhere. It looked, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And I told Luke, if you get in any trouble, I said, squeeze my shoulder. I said, keep a hand on my shoulder. But I said, squeeze me and we'll come up. You know, whatever. And oh, he started squeezing me. I thought, oh, he's hit one of those sea urchins and it stung him and whatever. And we came up and he went, he just went, thanks, Dad, thanks, this is great. Put his mask right back down. Let me tell you. Now listen, I'm here, if I live to be a hundred, I will never get a greater blessing or a more genuine 
moment of joy in that thank you because he meant it he meant it okay that's how to thank god it's when you get a blessing thank him you don't have to go luke didn't have to sit down and write me a note saying dear dad you know thank thou for thine all great wisdom and taking me to the see those uh scientific name for sea urchins whatever it is and you know it was a marvelous experience no just wow dear, thanks that's great that's you know that meant more than anything to me you understand and that's how to thank god when he blesses you thank him just that's the reason sometimes the only way you can get it said is just go mm, mm. you know when the doctor came out and said he got all of becky's cancer all i could say was mm, mm. You know, that's genuine gratitude. You understand? And that's what that's what part of prayer is when it's giving thanks. And if if we're really grateful, we'll give thanks. And if we've seen Christ, we'll find words to praise Him as well. Now look here at verse uh, talking about how to pray. Here's what He taught His disciples. Look in verse seven of Matthew six. But when you pray. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Is there any prayer in the world more vainly repeated than this one? Hmm? Listen, there's not anything wrong with reading this or reciting it, I suppose. But let me tell you, if you're looking for God Almighty to hear you, if it's a vain repetition, he's not hearing it. I'm telling you, when they read this in these churches this morning and they get up and read this, God's not hearing them. You know why? It's a vain repetition to them. And that's not... Listen, when I was a little boy, I was taught to say the blessing, and I, I, I bet I, I... I haven't said this in 20, maybe 40 years. I don't know. But I bet I can still remember it. God is good. God is great. Let us thank Him for us. It's a vain repetition. You understand? And I'm trying to teach my children that they don't have to, they don't have to be like I am when I sit down and, uh, you know, say what I say before we eat or what have you. All they got to do is say, God, we're grateful for this food in our home. Amen. You know, that's, it's not vain repetitions. All right. It's not necessarily these words, but it's after this manner. And it's not also for length of words. If there's a lot on your mind and on your heart, that's okay. Say a lot. <laughs> Pray a lot if there's a lot on your mind. If not, brevity is all right. Saying something just a little bit is okay. Spoken slowly and deliberately, this prayer takes less than 30 seconds. Did you know that? Less than 30 seconds. Fellas, we don't have to give up here, get up here and, uh, and have an eight-minute uh, prayer. We just don't. It's all right. This one takes 30 seconds. It's not for length. You understand? That's not what it is. And uh, it's after this manner. It's not how much we say. It's not how much we praise. It's the motive of our praise. It's not how much we get, we thank him. It's the sincerity of our thanks. And it's not how much we ask. In fact, in verse 8, you, say, you see what it says? Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need for before you ask him. Don't worry. You don't have to give him a long list. He already knows. He already knows. You know? Sometimes I think all it is is we just need... and the feelings of our heart honestly 
honestly after this manner. Our Lord promised, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. Okay? All right. Fifth thing is when to pray. When do you pray? Well, let me read you a verse from Luke. Don't look it up. But listen, here's when you pray. When you pray. Our Lord taught his disciples in Luke 18. He said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint. Always? 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 Does, that mean, does that mean we get up in the morning? You know, some have gone to be monks because that's what they think. It means you get up in the morning and you pray all day long. Well, we'd have real... You'd, you'd feed the family real good that way, wouldn't you, Henry? Huh? Yeah. Praying all day long? Is that what you're supposed to do is, is tell your boss I can't work right now? I'm praying. Huh? Is that what you're supposed to do? No. That word always there, you know what it means? It means whenever. Men ought whenever to pray. <laughs> whenever, whenever you feel the need to pray, that's when you pray. Okay? That's when you do it. And it, does it, uh, uh, you know, I only find, let me show you one warning about this in Matthew 6, look at verse 5. The only warning I see about this is not to be a hypocrite. And here's how you recognize a hypocrite, okay? And recognize hypocrisy in ourselves is in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You see, the hypocrite loves to pray when it's in public. You understand? When he gets to stand up in front of folks or when he's got his family sitting down there on the table and they can't go anywhere or do anything, he can just go on and on and on, whatever. The man who's seen Christ sits terrified of what the old man thinks and feels and might say and sits in awe of the responsibility of praying and praising and thanking and petitioning our God for people publicly. He doesn't love to stand praying but I tell you what, he bows to the command of our Lord, which says men ought always to pray whenever and not faint. You understand? When he calls on you stand, you don't go and fall on the floor. You know, or you don't go, no, don't call on me. I can't do that. No. I mean, you have to because it's the command of our Lord. Don't faint from it. You know, don't faint from it. But listen, you need to pray that a man doesn't faint from it because otherwise we all, you know, we all just run out of here and go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that responsibility on. We need to pray and encourage those who are called to lead in public prayer because true servants of God don't love to pray standing. You understand? They're not hypocrites. No. But don't misunderstand. All God's people do love to pray. It's a privilege to the believer to pray. Listen, it's a privilege to pray, but not to be seen of men. If it makes you squirm, when you go out to eat and you see uh, people holding hands around a table and, and uh, you know, they make a big deal out of And listen, we ought to give thanks. I don't care if we're out in public or not. You know, we ought, to, we ought to give thanks for our food, all right? But I tell you what, we don't have to all stand up and hold hands and bow our heads and make everybody in the restaurant look at us and think, oh, aren't they good? You know, that's hypocrisy. Now, I'm telling you, it's drawing attention to ourselves instead of, you know, it just, it's, that's what this is talking about. Okay? Hypocrisy. All right, look at verse 6 here again. It says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. Listen, when we pray, it needs to be in secret. 
And it doesn't mean now, it doesn't mean, and this is where should men pray? Where should we pray? When should we pray? Whenever. Where should we pray? It says here in the closet. Well, now, does that mean we go home and we get empty the closet out now? We got to get in there every once in a while and shut the door and pray. Is that what it means? No. But it does, that's a picture of what we ought to do. We ought to shut the world out. Find some place. I don't care. Sometimes when I get in my car, it's about the only place I can shut them all out. You know what I'm saying? But find you a place where you can just be quiet. And you shut the door and you can talk with God Almighty. I tell you what, if you want to, if us, uh, if you ladies, if you ladies want to take a minute and tell your husband, uh, you know, honey, I'm, you know, I appreciate you. I love you. I know you work hard. You just, you know, you just provide for us and you're kind to me. And I haven't told you in a long time, I love you with all my heart. You're not going down here under that Confederate monument in the middle of town to try to draw a crowd, are you? Huh? No, this is personal. This is between you and your, the one you love. All right? Well, listen, if we're in love with Christ, get away somewhere where the radio's not blind or you. You know, and you can, you can tell him how much you love him. You understand that you can thank him for what he's done for you. You can praise him and tell him, man, you're, you're marvelous. You're great. You know? That's where we should pray. Not on a street corner. Doesn't matter. Peter got up on a rooftop. Our Lord got in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went in the mountain. David rose up at midnight. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. You understand? It's not so much a place. Timothy said, I will, will therefore that men pray everywhere. So no place on earth is off limits. The secret place just means it comes from the heart. From the heart. All right, let me move ahead here. The seventh thing is to whom do we pray? To whom do we pray? All right, let me show you. I'll show you one verse and we'll wrap this up. You hold Matthew 5 and turn, or 6 and turn to Romans 15 real quick. I've just got one more point after this. Romans 15, to whom do we pray? Okay. We pray to God by his Spirit and for Christ's sake. Is that too hard to understand? We pray to God the Father by his Spirit for Christ's sake. And I'll show you that in one verse. That's all you need to see. Romans 15, verse 30. Now as I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, you see, for Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, as by his Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God <laughs> for me. Isn't that clear? It's so simple. Prayer doesn't have to be hard now. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's to God, by his Spirit, for Christ's sake, on your own behalf or behalf of someone else. All right. That's to whom we pray. Now, very quickly, what's the results of prayer? Prayer is the believer's blessed privilege. Let me tell you something. If you're not praying, you're missing it now. You're just missing out on, I mean, you may have been to Disney World, but you ain't seen nothing. If you're not availing yourselves of the privilege of prayer, the joy that's in prayer, communication with God the Father, what would it be like if you were, if you could, you know, if you could never speak to your spouse again? What would it be like, Joe? Huh? You could never speak to her again. Listen, it'd be awful. And I know us men jabber on about, my wife never shuts up. Listen, hogwash. We'd go nuts if they stopped talking to us. We don't want them to, do we? No, I don't want my wife to stop talking to me. 
No. Part of maturity is learning to listen. That's a big problem is we don't know how to listen. And that's the other reason maybe we don't speak so much is we don't understand God always listens. He's listening now. Okay, just because we don't, don't, don't transfer that attribute to him. He listens to his people. He doesn't shut his wife off. He doesn't let it go on one end after the other. God Almighty's listening, okay? Communication with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son by his Spirit, it gives joy and comfort and peace. You see here in verse 6 of Matthew 6, it says, Thy Father shall reward thee openly. And I can prove that to you. This church, having been taught to pray, has been openly rewarded. You say, what are the rewards? Well, the first thing is that Christ preached, uh, Christ-centered preaching goes on here day in, day out, week after week, month after month. Christ-centered preaching, that's the greatest blessing. Secondly, is that you've got a beautiful place to worship. You don't have to sit out in some uh, hut or something. Thirdly, you have blessed fellowship with Christ and with Christ's people. It's a great blessing. You have prosperity. Now, I know you maybe don't have Ross Perot coming here, but you don't need him here. <laughs> if you did, he'd be here, I'm telling you, or someone with his money. But you have faithful missionaries to support, don't you? And individually, all, all your needs are met abundantly, and most of your wants. That's, that's what the rewards of prayer can be, okay? And sometimes, if not often, we ask for what's not in our best interest. And you know, our Father's so good that knowing what we need, even before we ask, He gives us what we need instead of what we ask for. Huh? Yeah, He's so good, He does that for us. And I have some examples of prayer here, but we're, we're about out of time. I just want, let me give you one. You remember when the Lord was teaching His disciples, He said two men went in the temple. You remember that? And one of them, boy, he just strode right down front, didn't he? And he raised his hands up and stood right out there at the front of the altar, didn't he? You remember what he said? He said, God, he said, I thank you that I'm not like other men, especially like that one back there, pointing at the publican, didn't he? You remember that? Now, that's one example he gave. And keep in mind that example. This fellow stood, and he loved standing there. And our Lord said he's a hypocrite, didn't he? And do you notice it says in there he, he prayed with himself? He wasn't praying to God by his Spirit, for Christ's sake. He was praying with himself. You understand? He's talking to himself. And then he said, I thank thee. You know what he's really saying? He, he was saying, God, aren't you glad I'm not like these other folks? You see that? Bless his heart. The other fellow, on the other hand, the publican, he did. He stood too, it says. But there's nothing wrong with standing on the outside if you're kneeling on the inside. That's the reason it doesn't matter whether you're praying standing up here, sitting there, or on your face. Doesn't matter. It's, it's the position of the heart that matters. It's with bended knee of the heart. And he stood afar off, not up front, but afar off. And he so much wanted to pray from that secret place in his heart. You know what he did? He smote on his breast as if he could, could pound out that, that what was on his, on his heart and mind. And that's a good example. And his prayer, how long was it? What, five words? Seven words? 
seven words, God be merciful to me, the same. Hmm? Not a very long prayer, and we all understand it, don't we? Well, let me summarize this way. Several things can greatly affect our joy and peace in this life. And we ought to be mindful of these things. Number one, do we avail ourselves of every opportunity to sit under the Word? Now listen to me here. I'm telling you something important. Several things greatly affect our joy and peace in this life. If you're without some joy and without much peace, maybe we need to get some attention to these things. And the first one is sitting under the gospel. Every time the doors are open, uh, Sunday school, I mean, listen, when your pastor's teaching verse by verse on Sunday morning, you may miss everything else, but you better not miss that, and I'll tell you why. That's how God's people become mature in Christ. I can tell you when I, when I grew from being, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not mature in Christ at all. I'm not using myself as an example, but I know when I went from a babe in Christ to a young man in Christ, and that's when I, when Henry started having Sunday morning Bible studies, and you sat there week after week after week absorbing God's Word as God presented it, verse by verse by verse by verse. And if, you, if you're not having much comfort and much joy and much peace in this life, that's the number one thing. I can promise you this. You ever on Wednesday nights? I get home some Wednesday nights. I've driven 800 miles. I'm wore out. I'm tired. I tell Becky, I don't think I can make it. She says, come on. And you go to church. It'll be the biggest blessing you ever had if you'll go. I'm telling you. You got to, don't misunderstand me. Ask God to make you go, to get you there. Whatever. Sit under the Word. The second thing is, do we flee from temptation? I mean flee from it. Run. Ask God Almighty to keep us. Thirdly, do we often look into God's Word? We need to spend time in the Word. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing of the several things that greatly affect our joy and peace in this life, the fourth thing is, do we pray? Do we pray? Fellas, I can tell you the way, the way to make the relationship between you and your wife twice as sweet as it's ever been. This is not original. I didn't figure it out. Somebody told me this, and they were right. That's not only start listening to her, start talking to her. When she talks, listen to her. Now, you don't have to solve all her problems. That's not what she wants. God will do that in due time. But she needs to tell somebody. She needs to tell her head of her family. Listen, and then talk to her, okay? I'm telling you what, if you want some sweet communion with God Almighty, <laughs> talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him by the power of his Spirit for Christ's sake. It'll bless you. It'll bless you. Life will get sweeter, be full of more joy and comfort. And again, I'm not telling you this because I've arrived and I know all the answers, but that's what this book says. That's what this book says. Okay? Well, may the Lord bless his word to our prophet. I'm going to lead us in a closing hymn, please. So.